This message was presented at the GYC 2015 conference called Chosen Faithful in Louisville, Kentucky. For other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org. Okay, good morning, everyone. And my name is Keala Thompson, and you're in Healing Broken Relationships Seminar. And I'm from Hawaii, so let me hear us say a big, warm aloha. Even though it's not warm here, like Hawaii, <laughs> but I'm glad to be here with you. And this is a six-part seminar. This seminar is entitled Soul Searching Our Emotions. And I've just been looking at, I guess, my experience in Hawaii and pastoring in Hawaii. It was an experience where I thought that if I just gave people the truth about our doctrines, our, our theology, our prophecies, and our standards that everything would be okay with them. But I realized there are deeper issues within people's hearts and having to deal with the root cause and we're just dealing with the symptoms and then people are not really experiencing healing, emotional healing. But in order to truly heal, you have to go to your past and you have to face it there. And so there's going to be plenty of Bible and spirit of prophecy um, here. But a model of two witnesses, so every word be established, the Bible says. So um, the Bible is my first witness I call and the second is the spirit of prophecy. And so as we follow that, we're going to see that God has a lot to say about our characters in these last days. Um, I invite you, invite you to turn to me to John chapter 4, verse 6 and 7 is our opening text. John chapter 4, verse 6 to 7. And the presentation... Can you hear me back there? Testing. Can you hear me back there? Raise your hand if you can. You cannot hear me. Testing. Can you hear me back there? Is it better? Testing. Okay, good. Okay, great. Okay, soul searching our emotions is our presentation. Maybe a little bit too much. So everyone has a handout. So God has given us a message that deals with the practical inner workings of the Holy Spirit upon the character, right? And in your handout, there's some quotation that we're going to go over. But before we go on with our presentation, let us pray. Father, as your word is open, help us to see what you want us to see and to learn. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. What is character? So look at your handout. It says here, the thoughts and the feelings combined make up the moral what? Character. So what is the only thing we're going to take to heaven? Our character. So in other words, define it by this definition, by the spirit of prophecy. What's the only thing that we're going to take to heaven? Our what? Thoughts and our feelings. So that means that, so is thoughts and feelings important is my next question, right? Do you think that sometimes feelings can be neglected because it's the, you know, the bad Christian F word, like feelings, right? Don't talk about feelings. But inspiration says that our feelings need to be sanctified. And there's, some quotation, there's a quotation here that really opened my eyes to all of this that kind of pushed me in this direction. So I want us to see this. So this may be new to a lot of you, but I want us to just take a, a new look to the Bible and let the, the Bible and the Spirit of Prophecy just speak to you this, this morning. So we are, we are told in inspiration that we must reason from cause to effect, right? Let's not just deal with the effect over here, the symptoms, but let's discover what is the root cause. And this, unfortunately, the system of our educational system has us focusing just upon the symptoms and the effects, and we're just dealing with our external works. But God wants to deal with the inner workings of the heart on the inside way back here first. And when we experience healing here, then the, symptom, the effects will follow because effects always follow the cause. Feelings or emotions is half of our character. But in the Western culture of today, emotions are discouraged both in children and adults. Boys especially learn quickly that emotions other than anger are quickly suppressed. That is usually a sign of weakness. Even women in the workplace also know that crying is unlikely to be tolerated. And recent medical research on emotion treats emotions as the enemy. 
Now, how important is this? You know, there was a, I got an email from a 25-year-old young person. And she said to me that, you know, I'm having, problem, I'm having problems with my relationships. I, I have these, these men and, that I, I'm friends with. And I have no problem being friends with these men. But as soon as there's some kind of romantic involvement where I like this person, they like me, something goes wrong. And I just do everything possible subconsciously to actually chase that person away. And so what we did was we went back to her past. And she, we're talking about it. And she said to me that while she was growing up, she felt neglected by her dad, and she had a hard time relating to him. In fact, she said that her dad only lived 30 minutes away from her, and yet he never visited her. And so because of that, she said she saw her dad one time at the subway, and she talked to him for at least a few minutes, and she actually felt that she was talking to a stranger. And she said, I didn't realize how much my relationship or no relationship with my dad had affected me so much that I actually have a hard time relating to people. And that's, I guess, this whole six presentations. That your past, because you are who you are based upon what has happened to you in the past, right? Your environment, how you're raised, has made you you. But unfortunately, we live in a sin-filled world, do we not, right? So because of that, not only have we all sinned and we sinned against other people, but other people have also sinned against us. And because of the sins in this world and the more sins this world has been, has been experiencing, the more we've been wounded. And the more wounded we become, the more we're affected. And the love of many has waxed or grown cold in this world because of the sin that we've been sinned against and has, has wounded us. And what we think is that if we can just intellectually ascend to a certain belief, magically it's going to make it all disappear. But we're going to find from God's methodology in the Bible that's not true. Jesus brought healing to this world. What do you say, amen? And, you know, I think about, I love the health message. What do you say, amen? And the physical health message that God has given to our church, and I loved it, and I graduated from Weimar, and my wife went to meet ministry. You know, it's been a blessing. But I realized that when Ellen White said that nine-tenths of illnesses have its foundation in the, what? Mind. Meaning now physical sickness Nine-tenths is 90% of our physical sickness has its foundation in the negative emotions of the mind, such as bitterness, anger, resentment, unforgiveness, guilt, shame, stress. All of these things actually kill not only the physical body, but it destroys our emotional well-being of relationships and also our spiritual relationship with God. You're going to be finding out in this series. So I came to me and I said, wait a minute, the true health message... If 90% is emotional, right? True health message is really the emotional healing of the mind. What do you say, amen? True health message, 90%. Because if you deal with the symptoms and you heal the physical well-being and you stop it, whatever illness or diabetes or whatever it is, guess what? It's going to come back some other way in the body to another disease because you're not dealing with the root cause, the 90% that causes that illness. And then you have the relationships that are broken and hurting and our families are falling apart and this world is crumbling, and the hurt and the pain is unbelievable, especially in our church. And so that's why I felt this series is important. And so we're going to look at the story, and what we're going to do is we're going to look at Jesus' method of how he dealt with people. And you know what Jesus, one thing about Jesus was so powerful was this. It's pretty amazing. Jesus, when he went out and he healed, a lot of times he said, they were saying, Jesus, Lord, please have mercy upon me. And, you know, many times he would say to them, not rise up and walk, but he said to them what? You what? I heard it. Your sins, what? Have been forgiven you, right? Why would, why would he say that? Why would Jesus, they want to be physically healed, healed, but why is he dealing with the mind? Because Jesus knew the 90%. If he could deal with the root cause, right? And then, which is better to say, you know, rise and walk or your sins be forgiven you, right? That's what Jesus said, right? He's dealing with the mind. Heal that person of being of bitterness. Heal that person of experiencing forgiveness. Heal that person of anger in their life, of stress. Heal that person of the pain of being abused, or sexual abuse, or verbally abused, emotional abuse, or physically abused. Heal that person. Let them be healed of the emotional wounds in their life, and the physical will follow. What do you say? Amen? And Jesus was dealing with the root cause. And our educational system pushes us to focus on the symptom. And I know it's very hard to go back here. And even after the seminar, you know, I have people have a hard time understanding this because they're so used to just dealing with the symptoms. 
But the solution is found not in the symptoms alone. Yes, we need to relieve the symptom. That's half of it. But we need to go back to the root cause so we can experience the true healing that Jesus has for you and me. I want that. How about you? What do you say, amen? So look at this story. Let's look at Jesus' method. What happened in the middle of the day? John chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. The Bible says, Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. There coming a woman of Samaria to draw water. Okay, so what time is this at? Okay, six hour. Okay, what time did the Jewish day start at? 6 a.m., right? So 6 plus 6 is 12, 12 noon. Okay, so this is in the high desert. So do you think it's cold or hot? Okay, hot. Okay, so it's the middle of the day. Now, if you're in a, in a desert, when would you come out to get water? When would you come? Okay, in the morning, even because why? It's cooler, right? But here she was in the middle of the day. Now, why would she come when it's really, really hot in the middle of the day? Is the next question, right? Less people. Why? She's shame, embarrassed. What would she be ashamed and embarrassed for? About her past. So she's ashamed, embarrassed about her past. And you know the story, right? She came out by expecting no one to be there, but there was one person, and that was Jesus. And as she was there, she was with Jesus there and, and began to talk. And then he began to open up to her about the living water, right? And she got excited and said, Sir, give me this living water. Give me the truth. Give me present truth. Give me what I need to hear. I want to hear it straight. Tell it to me, Jesus. And she longed for this living water. But when this woman asked for this living water, what did Jesus then do? Look at verse 16 and 17. Notice what it says here. John 4, verse 16 and 17. The Bible says here, Jesus said unto her, Go call your husband and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Wait a minute. What is this woman asking for? Living water. She wanted spiritual truth. What did Jesus give to her? You know, if you were Jesus and somebody said to you, hey, tell me the truth. Tell me how I can be saved. What do I need to know? What, what is the most important thing I need to know as a Seventh-day Adventist? What, what do you need to tell me? What would you normally give to them? You know, you just got to hear about this, and you got to hear about this, right? But Jesus didn't go there. That's the amazing thing about Jesus. He actually went to her broken past. Are you following me? This is Jesus' methodology. He could have gave her the truth, but instead he went to her broken past. Go call your husband. Bring him here. And a mind went there and she said to him, I have what? No husband, right? End of story. In other words, I don't want to go there, right? Because why? Because it's way too painful. Because it hurts way too much. And so, Jesus gave her the pass. Go call your husband and come here. I have no husband. And Jesus said it to her, you have well said, I have no husband. So Jesus knew about all about her past. For you have had five husbands, and he whom you now have is not your husband, and that says thou truly. You see, Jesus did everything for a reason, did he not? Yeah? Do you think Jesus was kind of just showing off his knowledge to kind of impress the lady about how well um, he knew about everything about her life? Do you think Jesus was doing something like that? No, Jesus had a purpose. Everything that happens in the Bible happens for a reason, for a purpose. And this is what actually happened here with Jesus. Jesus was focusing upon a wounded past. And beloved, God doesn't want to reveal to you your past emotional wounds just to torment you, but he brings them to remembrance so that you stop destroying the relationships of those all around you. You see, you need, we need to realize that our past, unless you've experienced true healing, will always affect your present. In fact, even your past, which you've experienced healing from, will still affect your present in a positive way. 
and I've seen so much brokenness and so much hurt that's going on out there. Now, we know, first of all, that we're not to examine our feelings so to depend upon them, right? So we told in Great Controversy that's fanaticism, where you put feelings above the Word of God. But the Word of God should be above everything. What do you say, amen? Above even tradition, right? And even upon reason, right? The three deceptions of the Word of God against the Word of God. So there's a quotation here. I want us to focus on this first because I think we need to see this. And look at your handout. It says here, Manuscript Releases, Volume 10, page 175. You are not to examine your feelings and put any, what? Dependence upon your, what? Emotions. So we are not to look upon our feelings and dwell upon them, and the negative ones especially, right? And dwell upon them and depend upon them and to put our dependence upon them. What do you say, amen? So that's our foundation. Which I knew this quotation for a while when I started ministry. And that makes sense. We need to go by faith. What do you say? Amen? Regardless of what you're feeling. And then when we, by faith, you bring that, the, the word down, by faith you believe in the word of God and it comes true in your life and inspiration. Otherwise it says that no longer than, um, is that feelings, but um, the faith turns into feelings, right? Sanctified emotions and feelings. But we live by faith. But then this next quotation you know, I was reading Mind, Character, and Personality, Volume 2. And I guess that's what really hit me. Okay, this quotation right here. Notice what it says here. It says, It is in mercy that the Lord reveals to men their hidden defects. He would have them critically examine the complicated, what? Emotions. Not just examine, but what? Critically examine the complicated emotions and motives of their own hearts. And, so what's the purpose of doing this? Why do you want to critically examine your emotions and motives of your heart? For one purpose only, not to dwell and to live by them and to put dependence upon them, but for only for one reason, and that is to detect that which is wrong. That's the second step. And the third thing is to do what? After you determine what is wrong, so let's kind of break it down. So basically you have a negative emotion, right? And you see you have this, 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 this anger problem. And you have this anger problem, and you just can't get over it. And then you have to realize what caused this anger problem. So the point of looking at this negative emotion of anger is to realize what is wrong with you. What happened in the past that makes you so angry, right? That's what she's talking about. And not just to stay there, right? What does it say next there? And, what does it say? And modify. What's another word for modify? Change. What do you say? Amen? God wants us to change. He doesn't want us to be the same. He wants us to change the dispositions and refine, that's another word for change, their manners. So in other words, reason from cause to effect, right? So Ellen White says that um, if the thoughts are wrong, the what? Feelings will be wrong, right? If the thoughts are wrong, the feelings will be wrong. So in other words, feelings follow what? Thoughts. So you go backwards. If you're having a problem with your anger, outbursts, and everything, that shows that you have negative feelings, right? Because actions follow your feelings. And then when you have negative feelings, that reveals, okay, what? I need to go back and see what kind of what? Negative what? Thoughts I have, right? And then you work backwards and you say, okay, I have negative thoughts. And guess what? By beholding, we become what? Change. So behold who? Jesus' good thoughts and good, Jesus' glory or the character, right? We ought to behold the character of God. And God's character is made up of his what? Thoughts and feelings, right? But are they bad or good? They're good. So you have negative feelings and you have negative thoughts over here, right? Something happened in your past. Then you behold God's good thoughts, right? And his good feelings because um, we ought to behold his character of love. And then that transforms you by beholding become changed. And you have good thoughts, you have good feelings, and then you have good Actions. If that's clear, let me say amen. Amen? So that's what God wants us to experience um, through his word. And it has it there in your handout here, Testimonies, Volume 5, page 310. If the thoughts are wrong, the feelings will be wrong. Now, what did this woman then do? Look at John chapter 4, verse 19 and 20. John chapter 4, verse 19 and 20. So this woman was, she was confronted with Jesus. 
about her past. But what did she do when she was confronted? She, yes, she tried to change the subject and turn things away. But notice what happened in verse 19. The Bible says, The woman said unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worship in this mountain, and you say that in Jerusalem is a place where men ought to worship. So my question is, what did this woman do now? She tried to change the subject, right? Not only did she ignore it by saying short answers to switch the topic, right, in the beginning we learned, but now she's actually trying to change it. Now, what kind of subject did she go to? Religious controversy. Can I hear amen? What do you say, amen? She wanted to stay on religious controversial level. Now, there's another presentation I go on this, okay, in the Spirit of Prophecy quotation. Very powerful. Very powerful quotation, but we won't go there for now. But I just want to make that point. So she's distracting. She's running away from the problem. Like the bank robber, right? They rob the bank, running from the bank with all the money, and they go, everyone, look over there. Someone's robbing the bank, and everyone looks over there, right? And they run away with the money. So diversion, kind of getting everything away from um, Jesus from seeing what's really going on. So in other words, she didn't want to go to her past wounds. And I've, I've realized that many people... Many Christians do not want to go back to the past. You know why? Because it's way too painful. It's better I just forget all about it and move on and don't deal with it. But the problem is they're still having problems in their relationships, and that's why this seminar is entitled Healing Broken Relationships. There's still conflict in their marriage. They still have problems with their children. They still cannot get along with their parents. They can't seem to even get married. We're living in a broken world. This world is so broken. It's unbelievable. When I say broken, I speak primarily to the Adventist church. That's really my main audience. Our church is broken. Unbelievably broken with people with a lot of head knowledge, but their relationships are broken. And I shared yesterday that, you know, the 13 years of message is revealed in Revelation 14, verse 12, right? Here are they that keep the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus, right? The commandments of God, the first four, their relationship with who? God, and last six, deal with a relationship with each other. So the Ten Commandments really reveal our relationships with one another, Right? So the 13 message as found in Revelation 14 verse 12 is really about talking about having good relationships. Is that not true? So God wants his people to actually reveal his character of love, his thoughts and feelings of love, right? And the last, we told inspiration, Ellen White, the, the last message to be given to the world is a revelation of his character of what? Love. And character is his thoughts and feelings of love. And that's the last message. The third message is the love of relationships, the love of to God and to each other, the ten, ten commandments of love, relationships. And there ever time where our church needed the message of the third message of relationships, that time is now. What do you say, amen? People need healing. I need healing. There's a time when we need healing in this world and in our church. Interesting that Her past history of relationships was so broken. And yet, even though it was so broken, she still wanted to go to theological issues. She still wanted to talk about the theology. She still wanted to deal, you know, I just have friends. I guess my background, that's where I've come from, just on the extreme present truth side. And I had a friend that was in an Adventist Reformed church, and he worked for me as a Bible worker for a while in one of my churches. And you know, he's the nicest guy, friendly and everything, and you know, just strong in our truths and everything and our doctrines. And I went to stay with him when I was visiting in, up in California. I will never forget that time. And here I was inside that, in his house, and I remember walking in, and that, for the next three days, not once did he introduce me to his wife. And then I looked at him and how he, they interacted with one another as they're walking down the hallway. They wouldn't look at each other. They kind of looked the other way. And I said to myself, God, please, I don't ever want to come like that. 
At that time, I wasn't married yet, but I said, God, please, I don't, I don't ever want to come like that. And I, I think of that quotation, and it's in your handout. One well-ordered, well-disciplined family tells more in behalf of Christianity than all the sermons that can be preached. Can I hear amen? Amen? In other words, it's not what we say that's important. It's not, what in, it's not intellectual discussions, how smart you can look. It's not how much you can teach someone. It's not how much you know, but it's how much we can actually live God's character of love to one another. What do you say, amen? The world is longing for people to love one another. That's what the world is longing for. Not, forget, let's forget the world for now. The church is longing for people to love one another. What do you say, amen? The church is hungering, hungering, thirsting, please, Jesus, give me, thirsting for people to reveal to them God's character of love. That is what the church is hungering for. They're hungering for it. And they're looking for it in you. Not the pastor, what do you say? Can I hear amen, amen? <laughs> but you, the priesthood of all believers. And they're looking for you to reveal to them that character. I had another friend from a ministry that worked with me in our school, and he was teaching Daniel. And it was a powerful class. And he brought his family. I mean, everyone, everyone wants to come to Hawaii, right? <laughs> and bring the family along for the speaking engagement. <laughs> How many here want to go to Hawaii? Let me see your hand, by the way. Okay, amen. Sorry, I can't pack you or anything like that. <laughs> So he brought it, he's going to come to Hawaii, so he brings his whole family, you know, on vacation afterwards, which is fine by me, you know, that's, that's how I bring speakers over to Hawaii. <laughs> so he was teaching this class, it was so powerful, and then I saw the interactions with his wife and him, and it was not like it was, you know, hidden, which a lot of times it happened, things are hidden, but actually it was, it was very blatant. It was blatantly, she was as bitter and blatantly upset at her husband and, and angry and rebellious in front of everyone and, and everything she did. And finally, I had a talk with him. I said, hey, hey, man, I mean, the students are just kind of looking at this. And he said, yeah, yeah, man, I know, I know. And um, I said, hey, look, what you need to do is take a day off. <laughs> I know a great place. You know, like in Hawaii, they have nice, beautiful resorts on one side of our island. And I call it, the Hawaiians call it their um, national parks because it's free. <laughs> so we go there and we kind of play tourists and it's all free, you know. So I say, hey, take her out in this nice place and this nice hotel resort and go out, have dinner with her. And I'll spend some time with her because, you know, ministry, sometimes we go, get so sucked up in performance-based ministry so we can get approval from other people down to fill our self-worth. So I take a break and spend time with one another. Anyway, they got to spend time together, and he sent me an email later on, and um, they're already getting better within Hawaii. Something about Hawaii, I guess. <laughs> but really, it was the Lord that was healing them. What do you say, amen? amen? So we talked together, then we prayed together for anointing and healing. And he said, I hope all is well with you, your family. Oh, by the way, his wife wasn't even attending church anymore. And your ministry. The Lord is sustaining much better than when we were at your place, but plenty of room for growth. I believe God is working. My wife has started helping out again at church in the children's division. Thank you, Pastor, for your time and encouragement. God can heal. What do you say? Amen? And God can heal the home. But we got to deal with the root causes. We can't pretend that everything's great. We can't just continue on as usual. But something different has to happen. Our relationships are not going well. They're just not. And God wants to do a mighty work in us. So what happened when this woman finally experienced healing? So John chapter 4, verse 28 to 30. John chapter 4, verse 28 to 30. The Bible says here, The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and said to the men, Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto him. So this woman came to get water, but she was so excited that she was healed that she left the very thing that she had come for, the water, and she actually went and called people and told everything about 
What had ex- she experienced the heating, the emotional heating she experienced. She was so excited. She told everyone in the city that the city, the whole city came out to see Jesus. What do you say? Amen? Then we told that many believed in Jesus because of what this woman had said. In other words, it was just what she said to them. And I often think about this. Why is it that this woman didn't even receive one class on how to witness for Jesus, and yet she brought a whole city to Jesus. What do you say, amen? amen? And some of us take class after class after class after class, and we haven't even brought one person in Jesus. <laughs> By the way, evangelism classes are good. What do you say, amen? <laughs> I, you know, I just came from Amazing Facts, taught a class there, so I'm totally for that. What do you say, amen? And Haskell, they had an innocent training school, so I'm totally for that. You need that. But could it be that we're missing something of the formula that we're missing the emotion, the healing part from a past woman. She, she was a broken woman. She was in a relationship. She got married. She got divorced. She got into another relationship, got married, and then it, tragically, and then another divorce. Then she got another relationship, and then she got married. She got, and then she was broken again, got another divorce, and she got another relationship, and got married, and got divorced again. And then she got another relationship, and got divorced, and brokenness after brokenness after brokenness. She was broken. She was so frustrated with marriage and the whole commitment thing. She said, I'm not even going to get married anymore. I'm going to live with this guy and not even get married to him. Ever heard that before? She was broken. She needed healing. And the great healer came. Your sins be forgiven you. And when she experienced healing, she was so excited. It is amazing when people experience healing. There's a man I knew. <clears throat> we have a school, a school of the prophets. It's called Healing Rain. And we had it this past summer. We just started it this past summer. And a young man came from another island. He flew over for the school. And he just got baptized into the church. And he just lived totally on the street. He always used to be fighting on the street. And... I looked at him at the beginning, and people were kind of worried about him because he just looked so, he didn't have any peace, very angry. He didn't even smile. And then I saw him, um, he finished the school, and he started to smile a lot more, experience peace, and he shared with me his story about, he said he had so much anger in him. He said, I just felt like I was just pure darkness all around me. God came around and worked in his life, and he brought healing to him. And this saw him about a few weeks ago. He was attending the seminar, and I went to the seminar, and I saw him. And he said, and I saw him just smiling the whole time. I know he's very quiet. He doesn't say anything. And um, I guess another friend who came over, she went to the school, and she told me, that, <clears throat> she said, you know, he needs to share his testimony because, you know, at our, we go to the same church, and this guy is just bringing his friends to church. And he, he just got baptized this year. This guy's bringing people to church. And not only that, but he doesn't even come to church, and they still come to church now on their own. And I thought about it, like, this guy didn't even receive a class. But like the woman at the well, he had received healing, and, and he's bringing his hardcore friends to church. I mean, God can do amazing things through you and me when we experience healing. What do you say, amen? amen. Amazing things. And that's what God wants in my life and your life. And that's what the woman at the well did. We experienced healing of our past wounds. Turn me to John. Uh, well, we don't have to go there. But what is the shortest text in the Bible? Some of you guys quote it when you have to have a memory text sometimes. <laughs> what, what is it? Okay, Jesus wept. Hey, good, good Adventist, right? Good Adventist. Jesus wept, right? Okay, so Jesus wept. So did Jesus cry? Not only did he cry, but Desire of Ages, page 575, says, at another place, he cried too. And it says in your hand, they were surprised and disappointed to see his eyes filled with tears and his body, what? Rock to and fro like a tree before the tempest, while a whale of anguish burst from his quivering lips as if in the depths of a broken heart. So not only did Jesus shed a tear, but Jesus also, he wailed and he cried and he went back and forth. 
And my question to you and me is this. Can you imagine a man in our church wailing today is my question. In fact, I don't think I've ever heard a man wail in church. Maybe I've seen a few cry in church, but I've never seen anyone wail and rock back and forth. And this only proves that not only has the world been influenced by his own culture, but even God's own church has been influenced by the culture of the world. You know, when I think of the Bible and the godly men, there are, there are men, the great men of the Bible put on sackcloth and ashes and they wept and cried before the Lord and repented for their sins. And they're willing to weep in public because they have been decided that they would rather obey God rather than the traditions of men. What do you say? Amen? It's okay to say amen. Amen? It's okay to be expressive how much you appreciate God. Amen? And I have a hard time with saying hallelujah. How about you, right? And you read Spirit of Prophecy, she says hallelujah, right? But I, just, I mean, I'm honest with you, right? I, at one of the seminars, one of the lady was going, hallelujah, for anything and everything I said. And afterwards, she came up to me and said, you know, Pastor, I just needed to just say that. It was for me. It was healing for me. Jesus cried. Kelly Clarkson. How many heard of Kelly Clarkson? Let me see your hand. <laughs> so she wrote a song called Because of You. And she wrote this song, you know, America's Idol was the first winner. So she wrote this song, and she said this. I quote. She said, divorce isn't fun. It affects relationships when you are older. I think you have to work a little harder because you're constantly thinking it's probably not going to work out in the end. And the reason why she said this is because when she was six years old, her parents got a divorce. And she said it, it messed her up, it hurt her, it wounded her so much, it affected all her relationships with men to this day. In fact, she wrote a song, Because of You, and let me just kind of read the words so you kind of just know what she's thinking in her mind. She said, I cannot cry because I know that's weakness in your eyes. I'm forced to fake a smile, a laugh, every day of my life. My heart can possibly break when it wasn't even whole to start with. Because of you, I never strayed too far from the sidewalk. Because of you, I learned to play on the safe side so I don't get hurt. Because of you, I try my hardest just to forget everything. Because of you, I don't know how to let anyone else in. Because of you, I'm ashamed of my life because it's empty. Because of you, I am afraid. And to this day, she cannot have a normal relationship with any man because she said with her past. Now, she got married, right? You know that, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's another story. <laughs> <laughs> but even, and here's the thing. There's people out there who can discover the root cause, but the problem is this. They can never experience the healing because only truly God has the healing. What do you say, Amen. And many times as Christians, we can't even figure out the root cause. We're stuck in the symptom side here, the effect side. But we need to go back to the root cause from cause to effect and go to the cause and discover what is the root cause and heal from it, right? But they can discover it in the world, but they cannot heal. Only God can bring healing to a sin-sick soul. Only God can bring the love that they're hungering for. Only God can bring the emotional healing that we all need. Because we've all been sinned against. Every single one of us here in this room and who's listening. I made an altar call for an appeal. Oftentimes, certain places I make an appeal for anointing with oil. And you know, James chapter 5 says, um, call the elders and anoint with oil, right? And then it says this for physical healing. But then it says this. And if they have committed any what? Sins. Spiritual healing. Let it be forgiven them. A bitterness, sins of bitterness, unforgiveness, sins of anger, sins of guilt, sins of shame, sins of being abused. All these sins is being healed. And so I made an altar call and I asked, and one man came up to me and I, I said, what would you like me to pray for? And he said to me, he was he was 80 years old, and he said this to me. 
My father divorced me when I was five years old. And his whole life he had lived with that pain. 75 years of his life, my father divorced me when I was five years old. And it affected him. It reflected his relationships for the rest of his life. He was broken. He was hurt. He was in pain. Their marriage was hurting. Why? Because the past needed to be healed. You have to face it. I know this time is so painful. It's like almost like you have to go to PTSD. I've been there. I know what it's like. Like I don't want to face it. I don't want to deal with my past. I'd rather just forget about it and move on. In fact, just thinking about it is, it is so painful. But you've got to go back there. You've got to be like the woman at the well and place yourself in this story. Allow Jesus to come to you. And you've got to allow him to come to the, the hurting areas of your life, the broken relationships, the five husbands and divorces like this woman at the well, the broken past that you have, and let him come there wherever it may be. And when he comes to you and, and you allow him to come into your heart, God's going to bring healing to you. And there's a way that God brings healing. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5. This is actually one of my favorite texts. Isaiah 53, verse 5. The Bible says, But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, another word for stripes is what? Wounds. By his wounds, we are what? Healed. What do you say? Amen? Amen. By his wounds, where? What wounds? Where? On the cross. By his wounds on the cross, why? What happened at the cross that's so powerful? What does the cross reveal? It reveals his character of love. And when he experienced, in other words, the cross, the God's love truly heals. What do you say? Amen? Amen. God's, God's love heals us and heals our hearts in such a powerful way. And look at your handout here. Desire of Ages, page 661. The thoughts of Calvary awakens living and sacred what? Emotions in our hearts. What do you say? Amen? So can we have good emotions? What do you say? Amen? Amen. So God's, the love of God on the cross was, was sanctify us and give us living emotions in our hearts. And that's what God wants us to experience in my life and in your life. There is healing in the cross of Calvary. For by his wounds of love, we are healed. Maybe you've been sexually abused as a child. By his wounds of love, you are healed. What do you say, amen? Maybe you've been emotionally abused by your husband. By his wounds of love, you are healed. Maybe you've been verbally abused by your wife. By his wounds of love, you are healed. Maybe you've been devastated by the divorce of your parents or the pe- or the pain of living in a love-starved home. By his wounds of love, you are healed. Beloved, there's a God out there who loves you more than you ever know. And it's by this love that you will be healed. Do you want to be healed? For God can achieve that which you will not believe. Do you want healing truly? This morning, I want healing. What about you? What do you say, amen? Amen. What I'm going to be doing... There's a hand out there. And what we're going to do is, we're just going to do a little case scenario. Because I'm going to need your help. And I learned from you, actually. So could you please help me? Would that be okay? <laughs> so every time I go to a session, and I, um, I ask people if you could actually share. So there's a, a case scenario here. Okay, kind of talk a little bit about what we're talking about. And it's going to take a little while to get used to this thinking about dealing with the root cause. So what I'm going to do is um, I'm going to read this through, give a little time for you to think about it, and then I'm going to ask if some of you can come up and share, like, what do you think would be a possible solution from dealing from cause to effect and dealing with a solution for the specific problem? Is that clear? Yeah? You think you could do that? And you don't have to come up if you don't want to. You don't have time. We don't have time anyway. But this, whoever would like to come up and share, <laughs> sometimes I have to kind of limit people. <laughs> but, um, okay, let me ask a question. Do you guys want to do... We're going to switch it up, but do you want to... 
okay, this, this is a good trial run. Okay, we just try it from here. So I'm going to read it here, and then you kind of think about it, pray it through, and then anyone have any thoughts on this case scenario in your handout, then you can um, just come up here to the front, and you could just line up here and, and speak here. Is that good? Okay, let me read it to you. We have a few minutes left. So it says here, you have a friend named Emma from church who has shared with you that she doesn't have any good relationships with her family or friends. She also has gone back to her old addictions that she had given up when she had gotten baptized. She once shared with you that her parents got divorced when she was just eight years old and it has seriously affected her. One day after church potluck, she opened up to you and asked you for help. What do you do? So what I'm going to do right now, I'm going to give you three minutes to turn to the person next to you or in a group or whatever you want to do and just kind of talk it through. Or you can just sit here by yourself and meditate, whatever you want to do. And then we're going to have people share. And this sharing part is actually the most powerful for me. So if you can do that, like three minutes and just kind of look at each other and just kind of smile <laughs> and just kind of talk to her. Or you can just meditate on your own. No, no. Does anyone have extra handouts? We ran out of handouts, so you have any extra ones you want to share with the front? So the case scenario is on the back of your handout. Look on your handout, it has a case scenario on your handout. One minute left. Thirty seconds left. Somebody raised her hand in the very back of the chair. Oh. See, oh. Oh. Somebody had a hand. Oh. Okay, it's time. We're limited in time, so. <clears throat> Okay, so who would like to be first? Or like to share maybe what you came up with your discussion there. Anyone like to come and share? Come, come, yeah, just come, come. On. Oh, we need. They want us to do the microphone. Sorry, is that scaring people? Come, just come up. <laughs> just come. No, come. Go ahead. Go ahead. So, stand really close. If appropriate, I would start by giving her a hug. And if I'm able to, like, keep on, like, with physical touch, I think that would be reassuring. And then um, 
help her to identify what emotions she's experiencing. She's probably experiencing shame and embarrassment from going back to the addictions. And then leading her through how Jesus can identify with her in her pain and suffering from her parents' divorce. So we decided on um, pretty much asking if it was okay to um, engage in a word of prayer together. And a lot of times I find out when you're in a word of prayer with somebody, then you kind of understand deeply of where their emotions are coming from and what they're feeling about the situation. And then also we um, kind of analyzed, okay, what, what type of um, help do you need? What can I assist you with? And so um, we kind of talked about how whether the people that she ha- was around, were, the, were they bad influence, were they not? Can we implement Bible studies? Can we um, make sure that there's a support system, whether it's by the church or by the people that she may be with, um, whether it's family or friends, trying to implement them around her so that she'll know that there's always somebody that loves and cares. And then lastly, like the last woman said, that making sure that God loves her and implementing the Bible um, with that and just... Um, pointing her to certain voices that encourage her. Um, I guess what I would tell Emma is to let God to fight her battles. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and he comes to steal your joy, kill your faith, and destroy your family. Oh, I'm sorry. Can you guys hear me? <laughs> okay. Um, I'd also say that, you know, pray that God help turn their hearts to her and help her to love them also. Um and Jeremiah 10:23 says, "O oh Lord, I know the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man who walks to direct his own steps. So it's not for her to deal with. It's for her to let God deal with." So, thank you. Um, so the next seminar is going to be here. It's going to be titled "Emotional Pain Relievers," and that deals with addictions and gaining a victory, dealing with the root cause of addictions, and healing from that through God's love. So let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness. And Lord, as we continue on in our healing process, I pray that you may be the true healer in our hearts and may continue to experience it. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. This message was recorded at the GYC 2015 conference called Chosen Faithful in Louisville, Kentucky. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire young people to be Bible-based, Christ-centered, and soul-winning Christians. To download or purchase other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org.